This episode of the Eclectic Gamers Podcast is brought to you by the Roanoke Pinball Museum in Roanoke, Virginia. The Roanoke Pinball Museum is an interactive museum dedicated to the science and history of pinball. Their mission is to cultivate curiosity in science, art, and history through pinball while preserving and honoring its role in American culture. The museum is open every day except Monday and houses over 65 machines with models ranging from 1932 to 2018. Sadly, no Cylon models have survived. Rono Pinball Museum, by your command. Welcome to the Eclectic Gamers Podcast. Today is Sunday, March 8th. This is episode 110. I am Tony. I'm Dennis. It's Daylight Savings Time. It is. That means it is now 11 in the morning, and a little while ago, it would have been 10 in the morning. That's right, and it feels like 10 to me. It does feel like 10. To my bones. <laughs> to your bones. So, it, hey, it, what it means is I got to sleep in today. Oh, did you? Yeah. Oh, that's true. Yeah. That's nice. I woke up at 4, and then I realized, no, hey, it's actually 5, so I got to sleep in. Oh. Let's see? It's, everything's coming up Tony. It's all, yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah. Uh, so introductions, because we do have a chunk of stuff to talk about this time, which is exciting, but we of course have had, had two weeks. Do you want to open with, uh, how you did at the 403 Club? Because you lasted a long time. It felt like a long time in the winner's bracket, even. Yeah, I trash panned it. I, I actually lasted pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Medieval Madness just decided to shove a knife in my kidney and snap it off. Which you had had a comeback on on a prior on round. On a prior round, yeah. And I was doing really good on that round. And I had everything set up. It's just all of a sudden I, I couldn't hit the saucer. It just, it just would not. I, I bounced off the front of it three times, and then I had a clean shot that was too clean. It went in so fast mm. it went over the saucer. Yeah, that, the Merlin magic shot doesn't always... Cl- it, yeah. It's kind of... It's part of the reason why Medieval Madness is inferior to Attack from Mars, in my view. Because I think the Merlin Magic shot isn't very good. Uh, because I have overhit it where it basically yeah. flies back out to come out the right orbit instead of settling like it's supposed to. Right. And that's and then, exactly what happened. It's got that stupid little gate. So that, okay, so that's what, what it that, was. That, that, that's what finally got me out. After I'd already gone to lose because you were ready to go into your multi ball, I'm assuming is why. No, you I, 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 I had I had trolls, peasant, and joust. Okay, so you were ready for the a triple madness multi ball. Yeah. to crush your opposition. Yeah, and then it all failed. Well, no one knew, and that's the important thing. But I played really well. I was you very did. happy with how I played. You did throughout the night. You got lots of points. Probably. I got lots of points because there were a lot of people games. there. I thought it was going to be kind of light because we had uh, Steve Hill was over for the World Championship. Mm-hmm. Uh, Max was out for Pin Masters. Carrie Wing was out for the Women's World Championship. Yep. So we had some high level players that were out in wherever they do that Colorado, I guess this year. And so I thought, okay, well, it's trophy time. No, I mean, not for me. I went two and out. <laughs> I won one game out of five. You got to feel my I pain. I won that game by a lot. Uh, you got to feel my pain because normally yeah. I go two and out, and I'm the one who's sitting around talking with people and playing random pickup games while you finish out your playthrough. Uh, yeah, I, I'm trying to think. I didn't really. 
I mean, I guess some of the games were kind of low, low score. It didn't feel like it went as bad as I guess it did, but yeah, it didn't yeah. go that well. February went pretty well for me, but clearly I've not started. Mar- I've started March like a lamb, not in like a lion. It's pinball. It is. That's what. That's, that's what pinball, happens. baby. Wah, 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 wah. Wah, wah. So what else has been happening though? Well, I'm troubling shooting some problems with my desktop. Too many monitors. That's probably the problem. Um, I'm pretty sh- I went through and I reseated everything, but I, th- I'm thinking my power supply is starting to go, um. which isn't a surprise because it is the whole computer's a, the computer as a whole is more than a decade old at this point. Mm. So, uh, yeah, I think I'm just gonna have to get a new power supply. It is booting up sometimes, but not every time. Okay. And I can always tell when it's going to boot or when it's not going to boot because I my my whole system runs through a UPS and on the and on the front of the UPS it's got a display and that display includes the current power draw and on the time that it that it's that the boot up is going to work the power draw jumps up to where I would expect it to be otherwise the power draw jumps hmm. up to about eighty and stops. Okay. So well, I guess you can just order one of those. Yeah, I just that, that's the next thing on the list. I've been trying. I I went and unhooked and reseeded everything, and was testing to see if maybe I had some bad RAM or if I had. That's the little thing that failed on my last computer, and mine. I hadn't been keeping up with any of it, so I just went ahead and replaced it at that point. I remember because that was the day we had a Pinapalooza, and I went and bought the computer and got home before it was time to leave. <laughs> And that was. And we leave pretty early for that. We do, but uh, Micro <laughs> Center was open, and I was like, I need to get this done so that I can do the next day. I can do all the installing, right? <laughs> and that's been good since. So, right. And then the same. I mean, I've got the laptop, so I've got a backup yeah. that does quit out on me. And I've been putting the kicking together an idea of building a new machine, but I might just purchase another one. But then on top of those troubles, brakes went out on my car. Oh yeah. So. Uh, and then went and I turned on the PlayStation this morning because I was like, Hey, I'm going to download the Final Fantasy VII demo, the, the, the remaster remake demo and give it a play before we come record this. Yeah. I have no internet connection. Oh no. It's like, Oh no. What's wrong? Why do I have no internet? Con- the puppy chewed the network cord for the PS4 in half. Oh, oh no. Oh no. So I was able to, so I just, I just flipped over the wireless mode. Right. And downloaded it. And then it was time to leave. <laughs> By the time it got done downloading and installing and everything, I'm like, I gotta go. Well, you can try it later. I'll try it later. That's the spirit, Tony. So. So how's the puppy doing? Good. She's growing. Probably. Well, they grow fast when they eat cat six cables. Yeah. So yeah. I'm sure it's great. Yeah. She's growing quickly. Dogs she, do like to chase cats. She is, yeah. Um, potty training's going about as well as can be expected. Uh, you know, I don't ever, the last two dogs I've had, I got as already adults, so I didn't have to train them. I, I have never had a puppy personally. Mm-hmm. My wife has had puppies and trained them. My daughter has had a puppy, puppy and trained it. I don't, I never paid that much attention. Mm. I was always like, you dog, the dog made a mess. Clean it up. I just, we don't get to do that now. No, yes, yes, no. So, uh, but it's going well. Good. 
How have things been going with you? Oh, fine. Busy, though. The, uh, you know, coronavirus, the COVID-19 stuff. Because I work with public health. Uh, it's just been... It's consuming more and more of my time. More than I thought it would. Because while I have a contract related to emergency preparedness, I didn't expect that that meant a lot outside of... Usually it's like coordinating, making sure reports are submitted on time, helping if there are delays, things like that, and, and pushing out information regarding our annual planning. But with this, the state is at this point up to doing daily, week, at least during the weekdays, daily briefings. Now that we saw yesterday, we have a confirmation of a coronavirus case in this county, which is the most populated county in Kansas. I won't be surprised if they accelerate next week yeah uh, i don't know if they'll move beyond daily to more than once a day briefings i'm hoping not uh i'm also really curious about whether or not texas pinball festival is actually going to happen i know uh and we've been talking about this for like three or four episodes now because mm-hmm. of it, right, more and more stuff is, right, is, is uh, being canceled. And, and most of that stuff was things with heavy uh, international Asian travel because game development is done in the East and the West. So right. it wasn't too surprising, but it's getting worse. Like South by Southwest is South canceled. Is getting, uh, Emerald City Comic Con is canceled. Uh, EA and several people in this today's, well, we'll just jump a little bit. Today's video game segment is covering because, I mean, that's canceled. The Mortal Kombat tournament this weekend, the the finals of their huge tournament they've been running all year, uh, is closed to fans, and they canceled the Last Chance tournament. They're only allowing the top 16 seeded people who are already there to play with just staff present. Okay. Um, I mean, that happened. Uh, EA has canceled like six events for Apex Legends and FIFA. Uh, and, talking about TPF... Um, League of Legends is ending their this year's uh, championship series finals, which is the North American championship series, is in Frisco, Texas, less than five minutes from where TPF is. And they've already put major restrictions on what is going to happen. They've canceled a lot of events uh, that were tied in with it. And they're saying there'll be more information coming. So, yeah. so now... I've not read up on if any official stuff like on pin sites been coming out about TPF or anything. I haven't read anything official. I heard the latest super awesome pinball show, which Ed Vanderveen, who is one of the show organizers of TPF, he's a host on that show. Mm-hmm. I haven't heard anything there about any intention to cancel, but it's a high volume event. I know from a, from like a, a presenter standpoint and the guest travel standpoint, it's Mostly, the international travel is not from hotspot areas. It's mostly Canada and Australia. Yeah. But nonetheless, with that many locals converging on things that you're all touching, it makes me wonder. Yeah. Uh, that I, I guess my advice would be a statement of some sort should be made so that we have some sense about what's going to happen. I mean, we'll be all right, no matter. Right. Basically, no matter what, as long as we know by Wednesday of that week. I can cancel the hotel. Yeah. And that's the only, the only other thing I'd possibly be out is the registration. But. Right. But it's like, okay, well, but it. They're, they're really. My, my intent would still be to go if the event's going to happen. Right. And just bring my hand sanitizer and. I was just going to wrap my hands in Lysol wipes. Well, I've got this, I've got some 
fancy pants sanitizer stuff that's supposed to last for several hours after you put it on your hands. But that's probably more antibacterial right. versus antiviral. But I also have the alcohol-based stuff, just yeah. a little bit of it. I haven't gone out and bought more. Not that you probably could, because people are hoarding it now. Yeah. All I uh, have is the stuff that I we just always yeah. keep around. Yeah. So I just keep some for, uh, well, for pinball tournaments, yeah. because I don't like to eat after touching the buttons of, I mean, it's just too many people are touching them. So, and it's easier than having to go into the restroom every time and wash my hands. Right. So, but so yeah, so there's that. Obviously, it's been consuming a lot of my work time. Um, I did have an article. Uh, pinball article released over with Pinball News this time. It analyzes the 2019 North American Championship Series, or what we often call SCS because of the state championship right. series. But there, it does happen with provinces and the District of Columbia as well. So NACS is the more accurate term. Uh, and so it looked at the game selection, analy- you know, gave some statistics on some of the games. And also, I reached out and asked about the ban lists, if any, or what modifications tournament directors make to games in order to keep them competitively balanced for what's seen as a fairly high-level set of tournaments. So uh, the one thing I did, I should have put it in the article, and I forgot to, really, when I was working on it and, and doing my various analyses. I was going to do a breakdown by, like, a range of years, and, and that was the only other graph I was going to add. I just thought it would be interesting. Over on Tilt Forums, where there was a discussion about games used for NACS, there were people that wanted to know about, like, manufacturer breakdown by, like, early solid state or by, like, 70s, 80s. Right. And I never intended to put that in the article because I think it makes it a research report and it's too complicated for most people. But if you want to know that information, I did have it gathered. So I just put the graphs up there. So people want to go and say, oh, well. There were 20-some games from 2000 to 2010. Oh, and what manufacturers were those? Oh, yeah, they're all start because it's the only one that was left. You can see that graph. Uh, graphs all the way back to the 60s because that was – it was no one used games earlier than the 60s. And, in fact, only three 60s games were used. So 60s through modern modern era. So, anyway, I have a link in the show notes, though, to the article, not the tilt floor. You've got to do some work if you want to look at that. You need to be dedicated if you really care about those graphs. But <laughs> – Maybe you want to just read the article. It's less than 2,000 words. It's not too hard to get through. Uh, so I have that. Uh, I started a new podcast uh, this last week called Geek Fight Podcast. Uh, Lucas uh, Pepke, who has written into us before, that is a show he co-hosts. Yeah. And they've done the first episode now. They had like an episode zero intro episode. But the idea is they're going to take two geek things, talk about them, and argue which one of the two is better. So. It's not always going to be a game, but for episode one, it was Super Mario Brothers 3 versus Super Mario Brothers World. Ooh. Yeah, it's a pretty good topic. Yeah. So I have a link in the show notes to which would you pick, I guess. But I have a link in the show notes for anyone who wants to listen to the podcast. It goes to the website where they've, they've got it. I don't know if it's showing up in the RSS searches yet. I've added the RSS manually uh, to my podcatcher, so I would be able to get that episode. But and I think they have a Facebook page now that launched yesterday called Geek Ward. Um, and I'm sure their website will direct you to that. But, uh, I was, yeah, I was wondering without you having heard any of the arguments, uh, I've watched, I, I've played both games. I've watched both games because they're pretty much staples of games done quick. Right. Because people love to speedrun Mario games of all flavors. So, I mean, probably three. 
See, that was what where I went as well. They're both very good. They're both very good. I think I have more time on three, and for me, three is more of a touchdown. Yeah, I and I wondered if my picking of three was due to that, or for me, it was three was right at the end of the Nez. And it just, it pushes the system so hard. Right. And it was, it added so much compared to Mario. And, you know, Mario 2 is really another game that got right. re-skinned. Re-skin. But even compared to that, I mean, you had all those costumes and all that. Just there was so much to it. Mario World, I think, in a lot of ways, because it was early in the SNES, just, it looks better because it's a 16-bit game. But... Beyond getting the capability, you know, just having all that additional tech to lean on, what did it really revolutionize? It it improved things, but yeah. I just don't think it was the same leap. It added Yoshi. It well, Yoshi. yes, it did. It was important. It's just to me, it's like you're already setting up a, a hard scenario when you're comparing two entire different generations, right? And you got to factor in the, the those sort of capabilities, like. If you were to take a 2600 game and put it up against the NES game, what sort of fairness is that? Because there are different generations. It really depends upon which games you're but comparing. I'm not saying you can't do the comparison, because people try and make that argument to me all the time. Like, well, you can't compare a JJP standard to a Stern Pro. Like, I can do what I want. Do you know who I am? I can do whatever I want. Deal with it. Welcome to life. A <laughs> uh, few other things have been going on. Uh, uh, I finally got my adjuster for the shaker motor for Walking Dead. I decided, I read up, I ended up agreeing with people saying, just get a control board that'll add like an analog knob to control the amount of electricity going to the shaker motor rather than messing around with trying to rebalance the weights. So, I ordered it from China. I thought, is it going to get past the quarantine? <laughs> the The eBay time estimate for the board for shipping was a six-week window. It came like three days after the earliest date that it gave. So it, it got That's here a pretty, pretty big quick. window. <clears throat> so we got that installed on Friday. Uh, it, the glass isn't rattling anymore. It's no, more, it's no longer an earthquake when you... Yeah. You'll feel it. I still got it enough, so it, it now feels more like how Star Trek feels. Right. So, yeah, it's no longer an earthquake. It's no. This is. The, it's an aftershock. It's no longer waking people up living in, in the house next door. Yeah, probably not. I'm. I don't know. I don't ask them because I don't really care about their feelings. Um, <laughs> and then I thought, well, we talked about the tournament at four or three club already. I did want to note we are one of our major operators. Uh, David Latrell is moving to I think North Carolina. Yes. So. His, he's not going to be operating anymore. And the way 403, here, he won't be. The way 403 Club worked was it was split between two operators. Uh, we had Nick Greenup, who still is and now is the primary operator. Yeah. I think at, at the time he had four of the games. And then I believe the other seven were handled by David. And now I believe Nick has nine of the games. And there are two more games that are going to be arranged by the bar owner, Artie. Yeah. So, uh, we're now, we're going to be two pins shorter than we used to be. We had a, when we first started going to 403, it was an 11 pin lineup. Right. And then expanded to 12 and then expanded to 13. But those were off in another spot in the bar. And so that's going to be replaced by foosball and foosball. Uh, so I'm just, it'll be interesting because David bought a lot of the really new stuff. 
Yeah. Nick buys new stuff too, but David controlled more of the lineup, so he brought in more new stuff. So I don't know if we're going to see more of a variety now of older and newer, uh, because Nick has a shop. He's got solid state pinball right. supply, and he's restoring games a lot that he'll eventually sell through the shop. And sometimes he's been routing those in through 403. So I'm curious if we're going to see more of a mix now of it's not being 403. It's fun, but I do have to say when I walk in, a lot of times I feel like I walked into a, a tournament where it just feels like it's the all stern all the time show. It's because I, it's not the majority. Entirely. Nick in particular had given us some variety and, and it's, I shouldn't say it's all stern. Like we'd see the JJPs. We see the Chicago gaming games. Right. Um, but so I'm just curious. It'll be interesting to see what happens. Uh, yeah. Whether or not we still have the basically every single cornerstone stern. I don't know if that's going to be true now or not. I don't know. Maybe. We'll have to find out. Because even, you know, while I still associate Pizza West and Nub's Pub more with a mix of games, Eric actually gets a lot of the really new stuff in for a while, at least, yeah. uh, with arrangements with other collectors and what he buys and stuff. So between 403, Nub's, and Pizza West, I don't necessarily think we'll see a lot of a difference, but I don't know. It's all very speculative. We'll just have to see going forward. So... Let's go forward into pinball. Into pinball, baby. With obviously, we've been talking pinball and video games quite a bit already, but uh, there have been a, a few things that that have cropped up. Let me go ahead and, and start with the tournament talk, since it kind of feeds off of my article I wrote. The capstone to the NACS is the North American Pinball Championship. Right. That happened in Colorado, as we noted. Uh, the winner was Colin Urban, who I've heard of. I think he's a younger player. And then at the same time, at the same place, was the Women's World Pinball Championship. And the winner this year was Sunshine Bond. Yay, Sunshine. That's right. We know Sunshine. Yes, we've she, met Sunshine multiple times. That's right. And she she lives over in Missouri now. She didn't used to. But, right. But she does now. So, yes, she was at the Kansas City Pinball Championship. I spoke to her for a, a good chunk of time, yeah. both, both this of, year and last. And last year. She had that really good ball on, or that really good game on, what's the Alaska theme? Game? Frontier. Frontier. Yep. There we go. That's right. We have that on, on recording because yeah. it, was, it was very impressive. So, anyway, so congratulations to the winners of that. And I don't know what the results are on Pin Masters. I don't care about champions. That's all I care about. <laughs> so, uh, so other news. Uh, here's an interesting one that's gotten a lot of, uh, discussion on Pinside, though I have not read the thread because it's, so, cause I figured we'll just have our discussion. But apparently Spooky Pinball and Chicago Gaming Company have teamed up to do, jointly do a pinball machine that's designed by Ben Heck, who designed America's Most Haunted. So apparently he and, uh, Spooky are back to talking. And from what, we understand is the license, it's a licensed pin, but the license was too big for Spooky to build. And I guess this is what they, they expressed on their Spooky Pinball podcast. Interesting. So, so the speculation is, of course, we know Spooky's busy building Rick and Morty's anyway, but they think it's a license that's so popular, it would be beyond their run size, would be my take of this. That's what, license was, that's what I would assume. Okay, so something that's going to, they think will do better than 750 games. Chicago Gaming obviously has the capability to build more games. They put out more games faster than Spooky does because they do all these remakes. What license is so big that Spooky would secure that Ben Heck would want to work on and Chicago Gaming would want to build and sell? I honestly don't know. 
Yeah. I and again I don't I didn't hear the podcast, so I don't know if there were other clues like, well, it's an eighties theme or it's a what I mean the the usual suspect stuff is things like it's Jaws, it's uh I don't understand this Jaws fascination for a pinball machine. Because the shark can eat the ball. Oh good. Yay, we've never seen that before. I've seen a pinball FX three. Because <laughs> they have a Jaws. Yeah. I actually don't like the layout of the of their a Jaws game either. Yeah, what can, no, I, what can I, you do? I don't know. I I don't know. But you're right. I, the, I can see where all the big normal suspects could be up there. I mean, you could think about. You could be a Bond. It could be a. If Spooky secured the license, which is what it sounds like, does that mean this is a Spooky license? You know, Scooby Doo, a, a horror of some sort. The but ring. what would be that big? I don't. I don't think any of those would be that big. Uh, Poltergeist. I don't think the fandom. Rosemary's Baby. <laughs> Is that too old? Is that too old even for pinball? I, the shiny. The sh- shiny. Oh, shiny. Actually, you could do some fun stuff. You could with a shiny pinball machine. Uh, Gremlins. Gremlins would be a good one. That Not would. Quite. I could see that. But little shop of horror. I hope it's not that. Oh, not a musical. Not that musical. What's wrong with a musical? Not that musical. That we was need, a good musical. We need 1776 first, and then we can have. I can guarantee you. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> I love 1776. It I is my do, favorite musical. I want to do write the Declaration of Independence wizard mode. <laughs> The Lees of Old oh, Virginia yeah. multiball. Mm-hmm. You know it's an ball because there's so many Lees, and it's, you you get you've got to have the machine has. Every time like, you get the ball, you go here. Here's a Lee. There's a Lee. There's a Lee everywhere. A Lee, a Lee. Yeah. Now I want to make that game. Yeah. Well, Spooky's not doing that one, so hmm. can't be killer clowns. I can't expect that to be a high volume sale. How many balls could you fit into an ball? Uh, I guess as many as you want. I'm trying to think of like the uh, Lexi Lightspeed uh, in the P3. Well, I don't think it even matters which game. I think that that ball trough holds a lot of balls, like double digit. Yeah. So. See, and that's the thing is, I for something like that, you just for that multi ball in particular, you'd want to be able to put out. 10 or 12 balls. Plus, you could do it. Start at three and just have add a ball possibilities Mm -hmm. and just keep building it. Just let it go stupid. And you can set it so, like, I think with, I'm not positive, but I think with Bloodbath and Walking Dead, for example, you can add a ball and keep adding a ball, but it keeps track of the total number that you're allowed to have. So, if you get them all in play, that's great, but if not, you still could only have earned so many add a ball. Because it, like, starts as a two ball, and I think I can add up, up to two balls. I'm not positive. Yeah. Um, but because it seemed like I was playing it yesterday, yesterday before we went to tournament, and I thought I didn't get an ball after I cleared the drop bank again. Or you could have the ball just uh, re-engage your ball safe. Yeah. So every yeah. time you you trigger it, it just engages the ball safe, adds adds to the ball safe count. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there are all sorts of ways. Interesting. Well, I don't have any idea what license, and it might not even be a horror esque theme at all it might just be something else i mean the the thought was that the design ben heck originally did for spooky that has not been made was supposed to be evil dead maybe with i mean but it never got built according right. to ben because the cost of the assets for evil Dead might 
no one ever said it exactly, but my my general read was they could not get the star to sign on without paying way more than they felt they could sell the game to warrant the cost. Right. Because you have to get him separate. I, I don't know. It was never, like, if you couldn't do it, like, if you wanted Ash, but you can't have Ash, uh, I mean, that'd be a I don't, tough again, sell. I don't know. If it, it depends what you wanted to do. Exactly. It would be a tough sell. Because that was that was a big problem a lot of people had with Alien Pinball. It's like, well, there's right. no Ripley. If you can't have Ripley, how can you feel like you're in Alien? I thought their theme integration on Alien was actually quite good, but but it w- that was a fair complaint because yeah, it's like okay, it's a li- it stands out a little bit that you never see Ripley in like any of the scenes. <laughs> it's a little weird because those first uh, four revolve around her. See, the but, real thing is they're getting they're getting uh, they had to cover the cost to get Bruce Willis because it's Die Hard. Now, Die Hard would be, that would probably be the 80s, and I've, I've spoken about that before. That'd be the 80s theme that should have had a pinball machine in the 80s and didn't. Yeah. That I think could possibly sell okay. I don't, I don't know, cause the last few Die Hards have been awful. So. But they made money. I guess. I don't know. I, I, I don't know. follow their box office, uh, breakout. But again, if you themed it around the original, I mean, it's such a, it's kind of like how Jaws defined the summer blockbuster. Die Hard defined the the modern action movie. Yeah. I mean, there weren't movies really like that before Die Hard. And then since then, well, they're not as popular as they used to be. That really defined the 80s and 90s where those, that's what Schwarzenegger and, and Stallone made their bones on, made their millions on, were those style of movies. Yeah. Uh, and of course, then you had this one where it's kind of like an everyman action movie sort of thing. So anyway, I don't know, but. I thought it, it was pretty interesting. So yeah, I'm 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 interested to see what this turns out to be. I have no idea when this gets. I'm guessing not imminently. Like there's, it's known that Chicago Gaming is working on something. It has sounded like for a while because now Christopher Franchi is an artist with them. He did part of the design of the topper for Medieval Madness, but everyone is expecting that he's working on an original license for CG. That, an original game for Siege, a non-remake. I don't want to say it's yeah. unlicensed, but probably not unlicensed. If they're smart, it's licensed. Uh, the final pinball element that I wanted to touch on is Jersey Jack pinball. They're moving. They put out an announcement that their manufacturing facility in Jersey, New Jersey is being closed, and they are moving to Chicago. In fact, they're moving to Elk Grove, which is where Stern's manufacturing is. I think I've also heard already that JJP has picked up employees, I think from American Pinball, over now in Chicago for them instead. I don't remember which employee or employees, but, and it's according to Jack Guineri, who is the CEO of Jersey Jack Pinball, the move is not expected, like, it should not delay anything. They are, well, you'd have to be making a game for it to cause yes. an effect. Yes, but they're claiming none of their uh, timelines are being compromised. So, well, yes, because so, you'd have to have a game on the construction yes, yes, line. Yes, I know. I know. I'm, just, I'm <laughs> just saying, like, if you thought, like, a lot of people think that the Guns N' Roses game will be announced next, and that that's probably going to be announced at either TPF or within a month of TPF. Whatever happened to Toy Story? That's supposed to be after Guns N' Roses. Okay, and that that claim has been. Most of what I've been hearing for a while, like shortly after Wonka, it seemed 
from the rumor mill I was hearing from locked in that GNR was next, not Toy Story. Even though, because it didn't make sense to me, because it's like, well, but Toy Story was coming out in the summer of 2019. Wouldn't that be logical to be your next game? Obviously. And, well, no, that's, but that's not what's happening. Part of that could be, supposedly, Toy Story is Lawler, Guns N' Roses is uh, Eric uh, Minier, and Wonka was Lawler, so space them Which out. Which would make sense. Space them out. So, anyway, yeah, I don't know. Uh, but for those that weren't aware, the way Jersey Jack Pinball has been doing it is their designers, their design teams are in Chicago, but they built the games in New Jersey. And Jack and his family, like, I think his daughter uh, works for the company as well. They all were in New Jersey. So this move to a, a new facility, I'm not, I'm not entirely clear if the design and manufacturing are all going to be housed in one building. I thought so. And then I heard someone say they didn't hear that was confirmed, hmm. but it sounded like that, you know, the officially, well, officially it's like, well, we need more space and that the, you know, it's going to be bigger. Uh, there are a lot of good reasons to want your designers and your build team in the same town or nearby at the very least, because as a good case in point, I heard an interview over with the uh, Loser Kid Pinball podcast with Keith Elwin, and he talked about like sometimes with Jurassic Park, he needs to go down to the line if they're having trouble with something to show them how to assemble a, a piece or help with like here's how you need to put this together, here's how I laid it out, right, sort of stuff. That's harder for Jersey Jack because their line people can't just like go across the hallway and ask Pat Lawler to help them. Like they don't know how to assemble this piece in like what order it goes in because. He's hundreds of miles away. Which makes sense. So that there are a lot of reasons for it to make. I know uh, uh, other than Jack lived in New Jersey. I don't understand why they would have ever chosen New Jersey to build games. It seems because a lot of the suppliers are already in the Chicago area. And I could still see it being separate, like Deep Root choosing Texas. No, no, no problem. Maybe a little bit more of a problem than being in the heart, in the heartbed of pinball. But. With Jersey Jack, they split it. So the design team was in Chicago. Right. It's like it wasn't all in New Jersey. It would have made more sense if they were all in one place, but it's New Jersey. Yeah. So, yeah, <laughs> exactly. So I, so my, my question here is, what do you think this means for Jersey Jack pinball? Because I, it's like some people look and they go, okay, well, they can afford to move. So this is a good, this is all a good sign. Like they have the money to do the move. But I'm sitting there thinking, yeah, they do, but this is an efficiency game for sure, so they must feel they need to do it. Right. So I don't know necessarily that's actually... I think it's a smart move, but are they... I mean, are are the financials, like long-term financials, that bad that they're like, we can't maintain two facilities this far apart and pay for travel and everything? It, this is going to be cheaper in the long run. To It will definitely be cheaper in the long run, but... Uh, they're going to take a quality control hit. You think so? Oh, they I'm have all those... Uh, I mean, one of the things that they have in Chicago is a... A lot of the manufacturers, like Stern, my understanding is, use a somewhat elastic temporary workforce that now Jersey Jack could draw on that knows how to work on pinball machines. Well, that's a valid point. They will lose the ones that know exactly how to build Wonkas. Right. Longer term, people that know about, oh yeah, this is how you hammer in inserts. This is how you put in T-nuts. 
there's a whole workforce there that isn't always kept busy by the other manufacturers, d- depending on supply and demand. So that's I, what, I, I guess I hadn't thought the workforce was that elastic. I've heard, again, I don't know for sure, but like that's been the thing that Spooky Pinball has stressed: why they don't grow is they. It's a small town. They have their, I'm assuming, quite loyal small workforce, and the concern is. If they ramp up and do something big, and then the next license isn't like a Rick and Morty, but it's a Rob Zombie, they have to lay people off, and they don't want to do that. Like morally, they don't want to do right. that. So they would rather stay and keep themselves artificially smaller than they should be. This is my interpretation, in order to not have to deal with the difficult fact of you know they, to not be cold about okay, well. You're going to be on for this, and then after a year, I might have to let you go, but I might bring you back in nine months, sort of thing. Right. Whereas my understanding is with Stern, and actually a lot of the Chicago manufacturing workforce, they're quite used to that. Like, that's just a way of And there's enough of them around there that when one's ramping down, then there's probably another one ramping down. And there are other manufacturers that they, like, they're cross Like, there's stuff non-pinball some of them go do in between, and, and it just, and there's... There's work. There's there's work, and it it works. I mean, Chicago's not like high unemployment or anything. It's yeah. They're they keep them busy. So, uh, so yeah. That, so that was that. I, I it kind of makes sense to me on. But if they're at the point where it's like we need to close a facility and we need to move everything, we need to consolidate. I also don't think, just based off of what I've heard him say before, I don't think this was Jack's idea. Probably not. He's got outside investors. He We've does. known that as of Hobbit. He's had to. And I really question the longevity of Jersey Jack Pinball. We've questioned it for a couple of years yes, now. This isn't, I mean, this is, this just reminds me of, of the questions on it just because it's like, I'm not expecting to see any sort of price decline on their games. I think where they've tried to do that is on their standard with Wonka, which I think was the right move for them. I do think that was And I did hear in an interview with Jack, he did not initially agree with that idea. Because that runs counter to his, all my models are going to have the same features. And clearly that's not true anymore. Right. And, of course, going back on his word, I'm sure, was very difficult for him. But operators just don't want to buy those expensive games. Because they don't earn enough extra coin drop versus a Stern Pro. So why would you? You, you I mean, the, if you can't make the price, the sale hit. Yeah, if you can't make the money back, what's the point? Yeah, I mean, it's like they they dip more than than a stern does for. Do- I mean, percentage wise, might be the same, but your raw dollars are what matter to the to to a person operating who then needs to sell off the asset when they're done. Because a lot of times the operators aren't making back the full cost of the game, but once they sell the game plus what they earned in the coin box, they make money. Kind of how, yeah, like. Uh, well, David Luttrell, when he, I there's no way he earned back the uh, $4,000 plus that he must have spent on Guardians of the Galaxy in the coin box. That's part of the reason he got rid of Guardians originally, was it wasn't earning well enough. Right. But I'm sure he made money once he sold the game. To, you know, he took his several hundred dollar hit. But whatever he got in the coin box, I'm sure balanced that out. But that's easier with a cheaper game than it is with the JJP game. Yeah. You got a $12,000 game, that's... That's a bigger ask. So, yeah, and and like you, I again, I it may very well be true that it's not going to affect the production cycle because we have no idea what JJP's production cycle is. They're still stating that they plan to release two games a year. 
clearly it's they never failed to do it. exactly, and they failed to do it last year when it was pretty insistent up until about halfway through the year that that was going to happen. Right. So I don't know, and I don't think things are all. Uh, my initial thought could have been, well, Wonka's doing so well, why go to the next game? Except it, it. I don't even think they've gotten all the collector's editions out to the pre-orders. So clearly, and we know that game, the collector's version of that was super delayed. It was. So, and I wonder, not only was it super delayed, it was really cruddy. Yeah. I mean, I, I wasn't impressed with it. I think people would have been less harsh about that had they known exactly what was in the collector's edition when all the other games were shown instead of going around with quote-unquote collector's editions that were hodgepodge of different games. I mean, I remember on the reveal, I was so confused because I was like, well, this is like the collector's edition armor, but it's not the play field. And it's like, okay, well, I don't know how you make a decision to buy it when I'm seeing the wrong play field. Right. I, I don't know. But so those people, a lot of people don't need to make decisions. They just, they've already put their money down. They put their money well, down with, the thing before is, the announcement happens. I think what ultimately happened with the CE is it was with its limit. Its limit wasn't that, it's just so expensive that I don't think, I think if you want a CE, you can still buy one new. So it's not like, it's not like it was hurting any. But that does bring up the question. Are they shutting down the Wonka line before all the CEs are completed to make this move? And then re-entering construction of the Wonkas? Maybe. See, I don't, where I'm, I'm not sure where the CEs fit in all of that because one of the things I did hear was that JJP right now has a surplus of Wonkas already built. So they don't need to keep the line busy right now. Well, I'm, I'm, I, yeah, that doesn't surprise me. But with them still may putting out CEs, unless unless right. they're and to the point where all the CEs that have been purchased already, yeah, and that are may be out. that may be. I had heard someone had said they had just recently received their long ago ordered CE. I, maybe he was one of the last. I when I saw that, I thought, oh, maybe they're still trying to build them and ship them. But I don't know what the deal was. So. Interesting. So. Anyway, it that's, can't be fun to pack up and move that much stuff no, across no, the country. But, um, but I guess the the move's already been underway and. We'll, we'll have to see if it, uh, if it improves their efficiencies enough that we actually see some sizable advancements on their manufacturing timeline. Cause so far they still feel real boutique when it comes to building. Yeah. Building speed. Yeah. It's just weird. It's definitely an issue. So let's go to video games. Tony. We're going to video games. Are there All any, right. any issues in video games that we need to talk about? There are no issues in video games. Oh, well, that's good. So we covered a lot of this, uh, in our opening when we were talking about COVID. Sure, sure. But we'll just touch on a couple of it and we'll, we'll enhance on some of it. Uh, GDC has been postponed till the summer. Yep. Which we'll find out if it's canceled or not. But yeah. it's such a big event. I it's do think a, they're really going to try and just post Right. Uh, uh, South by Southwest was canceled. Emerald City Comic Con is, uh, I have it down as canceled. It's supposed to be postponed, but I it could see it being full on canceled. Okay. But they're, they, they're hoping to, for a late to rehold it in late summer. But with, you know, space. It's getting the space. That's the, that's the, for those that have never done event management, that's the, that's the big challenge is these facilities book out all these days, years in advance, yeah. usually. Uh, and so it's not always such a simple thing to just go, Oh, well, I'll just move it to this weekend. It's like, well, can you even do it in the same spot? 
Right. Do you have to do it in the same spot? Because your contract might say you're going to, if if it's delayed because of a contractual, a contractual reason that allowed you not have to pay any penalties, that you have to redo the event at the facility. I've had contracts with past employers that are written that way. Yeah, and then just has like, to find a, then they just have to find a weekend that it would fit in yep, somewhere. Yep. And then you've got the big question of, is it a big event? Obviously, these things are guests, presenters. Can they make the new date? Not all of them will be able to. Yeah. So your whole show. Cause, because a lot of them change. have been planned out for a year. So we'll have to see. Uh, we spoke about the Mortal Kombat 11. Uh, they canceled the last chess qualifier event. Uh, that event was yesterday. The finals is today. They okay. canceled on Friday. That's tight. So, uh, they are fully refunding tickets and they have said that, uh, for people who have incurred non-cancelable, non-refundable hotel and airfare cost to contact them. Mm. So while I've not been able to find any details out on it, it sounds from there and from some of the staff members who said stuff, they're planning on at least putting together some form of package to assist with refunds for people who have occurred, who have accrued costs that for nothing at this point. Uh, but no word for sure on what that's going to turn out to be. Uh, we'd already talked to EA to cancel some stuff and, uh, uh, Riot Games League of Legends, Legends Championship down there in Frisco. Um, we're talking about some rules they put in place. Uh, they canceled all of the fan meet events where the teams meet their fan, meet the fans and do all the signings. All those are all canceled. Um, and there is no post game handshakes and no victory high fives. They're basically saying no physical contact. That's right. Is what they've laid out at this point. They may have to upgrade to boy in the bubble style. They might. Each person comes out in their own tank. Yep. And then has, has everything set up in it. They just plug the wires into it and they, yeah, it's possible. Uh, and they did state that they are in contact with the venue and with local government. Uh, and they'll put out more information going forward. Okay. Now their venue is not, uh, TPF's venue. Obviously League of Legends is way larger than TPF. Uh, their venue is actually one of the, uh, auditorium buildings where the Cowboys are based at in the star. In their, in their area in the star, but it's less than five minutes from TPF. Moving past that into, uh, still in esports, but Valve Software, uh, has decided to test the waters. They're putting out, they're requesting bids for host cities for the international for next year. And the international is Valve's, uh, world championship for Dota 2. The League of Legends competitor. Correct. Uh, they put out a uh, detailed RFP document and requested responses by the 31st of March. Um, I have a link to the RFP in the show notes just because it's interesting reading, but I'll hit some of the highlights. Uh, their requests are for they need a modern indoor arena or stadium with a capacity of between fifteen and 80,000 that must be available for 10-day period in August of 2021. Uh, they need additional space for ancillary events like get-togethers and after-parties and stuff. Uh, they need hotel space of upwards of 30,000 people. 
they need fiber connectivity to the area. Uh, and they're looking for uh, proximity to an international airport and a strong local transportation system. Obviously, Kansas City's out. Well, we have the we have the KC bus. Yeah, we have the we got the streetcars. Metro and the streetcars. Yeah, I we have an international airport. Yeah, do we have hotel space for thirty thousand downtown? Probably. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, because Kansas City for years and years was host for the NCAA. I would uh, assume so. Our Big 12 tournament. Yeah, thing. for the Big yeah, 12 yeah, Big tournament. 12 is what I'm thinking of. Uh, we might, I think we do have the hotel space. And, I mean, the Sprint Center could hold the capacity. We're fine. Fill out this bid. I'll fill out the RFP for Kansas City, and I just won't tell them. I'll just turn it in. It'll be a nice surprise. Yeah. Because uh, there were other things they wanted, like assistance from, you know, working with the government and the police department and all that stuff for setting stuff up. But it was just an interesting uh, RFP to read. Uh, they will be doing the final selection uh, by the middle of June. Okay. Uh, but they're not going to announce it until the international this year, which is in August. So, um, shifting over, Overwatch have put in their experimental mode. Yep, I saw I have not played it. I saw it. It's over. I, it's over. Never mind. Yeah. It I thought it'd be in for about a month and it was in for like two weeks. Two weeks. Yes. But uh the experimental mode is remaining. The mode that they were testing is not, obviously. Okay. Right. Uh but they uh they tested a triple damage format. Instead of the current two 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 format, they went with the three two one with the one being the tank. I watched some. I watched Seagull stream that. Yeah, I've seen a couple streams. Uh, they they made some major changes to balance for tanks. All in all, from everything I've read, it wasn't liked. Okay, Seagull uh, liked it decently, though his his takeaway was that it should probably just be two two one. And take it down to five. He thought that would be better balanced than trying to do three, two, one. I, yeah. And you still have your cube. And he was like, it was too, he's like, it's, he was having fun with it, but he's like, it's just, it's really almost just loosely structured chaos because it's just, they didn't balance how the game behaves with three DPS and it's just overwhelming. Yeah. In, and in a lot of ways. The, the, most of the stuff I saw and the, the people talking about it that I listened to, that was, it would need heavy rebalancing to work. And some right. of the maps are just terrible for one tank with three DPS. Mm-hmm. Even with the tanks modified, with their health knocked up, shield strength knocked up, all these other, it's just too much. I would honestly, though, they might not be interested because of other, other issues, but I really think it would be worth trying to see if you could get away with doing three, two, two instead and see if you need to rebalance much with that where you go ahead and do the three dps but let there be the two tanks so now you can still do the tank off tank coordinations on the existing balance structure obviously things like shields will melt faster and everything like that so i think but if you didn't balance anything else i think all you would have is more hectic fast gameplay and ultimately initially and so in response to that you might be then considering whether or not you need to go ahead and kind of take the tanks back to maybe their older styles where they had bigger shields and or maybe up the like heal over times that the supports can provide yeah valid things i know they made major changes to the tank lines and some of the changes from 
people I, I, I spoke with and listened to, uh, they really liked some of the, some of the mm-hmm. changes that they wished were in the main game, but it could be understandable because not being there because they might have made it made in an actual 222 would be a little OP. Yeah. Like, well, yeah, uh, no, yeah, big, you know, news at 11, tank players love tur- being turned into gods. Yeah. Because well, when they're basically. solo tanking, they had to be. Right. Especially those off tanks, because how are they supposed to function? They were never designed to work alone. Right. Uh, I think the one I heard the people liking the most was Zarya. That's who I saw played the most. Because she became a god. AOE bubble? AOE bubble, yeah. Just being able to bubble everybody within the distance, within a certain distance of you. Yeah, all it was, yeah, all allies within eight, eight meters of you and the duration was knocked up for an extra second. So for three seconds, you basically, if your whole team was around you, click, oh, you ulted, I don't care. Mm-hmm. I mean, in the sheer amount of damage was, yeah. Uh, we'll see. Uh, I like the experimental mode itself. Um, the idea of it and trying out different things and it will let them try out, uh, modifications to characters. I think that'll be nice to see. Yeah. Instead of relying on the PTR, because the truth of the matter is not a lot of people play the PTR. I think they should actually move experimental in under the arcade games. Yeah, I could see that. And just, just leave something up. Well, because well, there's an added incentive as well. To I mean, you can make it in the rotation where it's not on when they don't have anything new to test. But if you put it in the because one of the things Overwatch has is of course the ability for people to win in free loot crates. Right. When they play the arcade mode, they get one every three wins up to nine a week, uh, nine games a week for so three crates that right. way. So it's a good like I'll go and play Mystery Heroes to try and get wins to get. You know, I get free crates as part of the reward. So if they want even more people to play it, put it in under, because it's not like contributing any other way as just a standalone mode. So stick it under arcade or can't let it count as arcade. And I think you'll get even more people to play it. Yeah, I can see that. Uh, I'll be interested to see what they have coming forward to try. Mm hmm. Yes. Because they're trying to make the game more fun. Because no fun allowed sometimes. Sometimes. Yeah. Goats meta, no. Fun. Well, I except mean, for they, now, people are like, "Oh, but now people are doing the whole oh, goats wasn't that bad." I uh, know goats was pretty bad, just like they were doing. Oh, dive wasn't that bad. I mean, I like it now. Where I think they made a lot of really good changes for like Overwatch League. Like, I don't mind. I look forward to seeing dive now when I don't have to see it all the time. Right. If I had to pick between dive and goats, I would pick dive. But part of the reason is, even though there was a lot of excellent coordination with goats we just had goats for longer so i made it more painful well and i think dive is more interesting because it is more fast-paced because well-played well-executed goats will be oh hey look we just burned six ultimates and we got zero kills and that's perfectly acceptable in goats. Well, in goats, no one was playing a damage character. Right. So that inherently you've taken out a third of the, of the game essentially and said, and even more than a third. And you're like, okay, well, that stuff doesn't count anymore. It's all about good tanking and good support. Uh, and as someone who plays more support and tank than I do DPS, that part was fun, but also there's no, I mean, that was part of the, I remember one of the commentators who, uh, 
I'm trying to remember which one who has left, uh, one of the less popular ones, uh, similar, similar. Okay. Yes. Who uh, I don't remember what he went over to, but, uh, Sim- did he go to Call of Duty? I think so. He went to Call but I wasn't Duty. sure. And similar, I remember when I read his sort of exit interview that he went public with about leaving, uh, being a commentator for Overwatch. I think a lot of people who left, they all had different reasons, frustrations with management, like Monty had, uh, you know, like how Malik left because he felt they weren't paying him enough. Yeah. And then with similar, it was, he really emphasized, my problem is it's boring to cast because in season one, you had the potential for a character, a DPS character to come in and change the tide of the battle and in season two, you didn't have that. And I'm just, I don't have it in my heart to talk about something where there's no excitement. It's perfectly valid. And so he's like, I'm like, okay, well, he was, uh, according to Reddit, he was the worst caster of the lot. So I'm not surprised that part of that could be that his boredom was shining through. Right. Uh, when you're sitting there and you're like, okay, it's not going to be like when Carpe in season one came back to a, one of the control points as Widow and headshot three people and took the point back alone. Because yeah, you don't could, get those magic moments. No, you, don't get that, you don't get that against three tanks. <laughs> Carpe's Widow goes and dies. <laughs> well, you got dies three tanks slow. covered by three supports yeah. and it's like, uh, so. But, when you're looking for the only way to get the kills, you have to kill, you have to kill the right support. At the right time to open the gap. I mean, to there let you were chip rever- there away. were reversals. It there were, but it was nowhere near as interesting. And it had to be things like tanks making superior aggressive. Like that was the that was the thing about season two was it was the reign of the uh, aggressive tank. Yeah, Reinhardt's like bumper and super, who are just super aggressive players. Their style worked really well, and that's why you saw teams like New York, which were much more conservative in their play style, suffer because. New York's entire team philosophy has been up until this season, I'd say, and still I think most of their team leans this way is make, wait for a DPS to make a mistake and punish it. But when there are no DPSs, they can't make mistakes. Yeah. So what do you think of the, uh, the hero pools now that we only caught a little bit of it? We only caught a little bit. We're going to be able to watch more today. Uh, Uh, I, so far I like what I've seen. I do too. I like the forced meta changes. And it's interesting to see what the teams do to try and make up for the characters that have been removed. And the removals for this week, uh, the support removal, Moira, doesn't affect anything. No. It, 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 she's a very situational support. But the removal of Reinhardt and McCree, who are core members of the meta that we've seen develop over the last few weeks of play... Uh, made for some very significant changes. And the loss of Widow means some of that big Widow pop-off crazy stuff that you get on occasion, uh, especially on maps like Havana and, uh, was Eldorado gets a lot, uh, gets a lot of Widow play. Those have vanished, that, 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 with that vanished, it's kind of changed the, the play style. I haven't seen either of those maps played since then because we didn't watch this. I don't think they played any of those maps yesterday. Uh, but it will be interesting to see how it continues forward. I did like when they did the hero pool, the removal draw. It was a literal draw on the yeah with a lottery uh, with a lot yeah, and it was funny and it was interesting to see. 
And I'm, I'm looking forward to see how it keeps going forward. I guess we should uh, go ahead and clarify for those that aren't familiar with what we mean by hero pools. This was the decision to, in order to force more rapid meta changes and meta means the defined default best way to play a particular game through the character selections in particular. So what Overwatch League has done, and they just kicked it into effect as of yesterday or Saturday when you know, yesterday right. for us recording is those, uh, after a set period of time, the most commonly chosen tanks, support, and damage dealers are put into a bin, rotated about, and then they draw one of the tanks out, out of a set of two, I believe. Was it two or three that they threw in? I think they put in three. It's anybody over 10% play. Oh, that's the rule. I, I thought maybe it was the top three. No, it's anybody over oh. 10% play time. Because I didn't notice they were all over 10%. So, yes. Yeah. So, the most commonly chosen characters of those are are put in amongst their same class type, tank, support, damage. And then they draw one tank, one support, and two DPS. And for the next set period of time, those characters are not available for selection. Right. So yeah. it's designed so that, okay, well, here's the most common stuff. So that's the meta stuff. So we're going to take things away out of your meta, and that mandates a meta shift because if you can't play the character, you have to figure out a new way to play the game. And if I recall correctly, uh, in competitive play, competitive non-Overwatch play, every week they take and do the pull, pull off of the previous week's based upon the previous week's playlist. Mm. But in Overwatch League, they're doing it based upon the last two weeks yes. play with the uh, addition that the players, any any characters that were banned cannot be banned for the following week. Well, and, I mean, they can't be selected, so how would they ever make it into the... Because it's two weeks. Oh, oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah, because with Overwatch League, they're doing two weeks worth of data. So, so, so like, Reinhardt, who's running at 70% playtime, depending upon how the teams break the meta up, he still might be over the threshold. Oh, I, okay, I get, I get what you're... I wasn't sure how often they were going to do the draws. It's weekly. Okay. They're doing, they're doing weekly Originally, draws. Originally, I thought they were going to let it stick for two weeks, just because so few teams play in a single week that... I think that's a maybe, little weird, but maybe I mean I think they're doing it weekly because they're because well, I mean, it, it's that's scheduled fine. for the watch point at the end of everything tonight. Okay, I well, saw then, they must it. be then. I just think that I don't. My personal opinion is they didn't need to be that aggressive about hero pool changes, but <laughs> but I, I'm not going to complain about uh, it. They might adjust it if they think it's too much. They might adjust it. I mean, the one thing is I'm wondering is basically if you're doing it weekly, is it going to be a week of the meta with the May, McCree, but again, because of the draws, maybe not. Because right. We, we didn't have May removed, even though she was the most picked DPS character of the last, uh, the whole Overwatch League so far. So, and she didn't get drawn. They failed. They failed. They had one but, job. But we're already seeing some, like, the teams we watched yesterday, they didn't all run May. No. Now, the team that didn't run May lost. <laughs> So that's what's, that, what's that tell you? <laughs> Meta still holds. May, well, the, the, May the, is Bay. The you still have to have that crowd control, and you ha still have to have those good walls. Yeah, but with the loss of the two most popular hitscan characters, McCree and Widowmaker, we saw a lot of Tracer, and we saw quite Soldier. a bit more Soldier seventy six than I thought. And Soldier hasn't been Meta in forever in a day. 
Yeah. Was Soldier ever meta in Overwatch League? Yeah. Oh, the I second guess a little... point offense on Hanamura to take the high ground. He, there was a period where he was that was the way to approach that map. He he he, he was there for a he was meta on a single yes. part of a single map. Yes. 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 Kind of like Junkrat on point A defense on Anubis. Right. Meta for a single map. Yes. Unless you're Jake. Unless you're Jake. Then you play the Jake Rat. And then you're a caster because. You suck. And your team needs you now, though, so come back. Oh. Hang on. They retired his number. Well, he They've be... won their last two games. Yeah. Well, the meta shift has saved them now. Yes. Because... Because it lets Mooma play characters he's actually good with. Yes. I used to think <laughs> Mooma was a pretty good Ryan, but I do not anymore. Because they are... They're two and yeah. five now. Yeah. They're climbing out of the dungeon. Yeah. Well, did we have anything else? I think that's it. Yeah, you know, we had a lot of topics, but we actually didn't go through them too slowly. I guess we're becoming more efficient with our. We words. are, but well, we covered some of the video game stuff in the opening. Yeah, but I'm counting the whole. But I mean, as a whole, yeah, our intro was like 20 minutes long. Yeah, but it was on topics. I don't think people are going to complain too much. But if you want to complain, you can to Eclectic Gamers Podcast at gmail.com, or you can reach out to us Facebook.com/slash Eclectic Gamers Podcast. We're available on Twitter, Twitch, and Instagram as eclectic underscore gamers and so we'll be back in two weeks which will be the last podcast episode before tpf unless tpf is canceled we'll have to record the day before wife's birthday yes i'm dennis i'm tony goodbye everybody bye